Sometimes in rural ministry, you have a couple of services on the same morning, and on those occasions it's quite common that you just repeat the same sermon at each service. But sometimes things don't work out that way, and on this occasion, on the 15th of September 2019, I was preaching at three completely different services. The first was a harvest service, and a service of Holy Communion. The second was just a regular service of morning prayer. And the third was Evensong. Three services, three different sets of readings, all in one day. So this is the first of a sort of three-part mini-series of sermons on disconnected readings. This one was taken from Revelation 14, verse 14 to 18, and John 6, 25 to 35, a harvest sermon for St. Andrew's South Lopham. You are listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Path with your preacher Samuel S. Thorpe. I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is a joy to be with you today as we celebrate the harvests which have been happening over the last few weeks, and will continue for a while yet. I've always had a particular fondness for the Norfolk harvest because I grew up in a very rural part of North Devon. Our house was a good quarter of a mile or so outside the village, and was literally surrounded by fields, with a great view down into a small valley. Many of my friends were the children of farmers, but unlike here, most farms were dairy or wool farms. The fields which surrounded our house was home in turn to both the cows and sheep. I remember once, Dad preached a slightly controversial sermon, and while everyone had seemed fine with it at the end of the service, the following week, nobody came. Nor the week after. Oh dear, had it really been that controversial? The following week, a couple of people did come, and it transpired that none of them had been offended. It was just that the lambing season had started, and they were all off looking after their sheep. The lambing season is generally from around February until April, though I do remember seeing newborn lambs in the field on Christmas Day one year. As such, while harvest was important to our churches, it never properly resonated with me until living here in Norfolk. Our house in Nectum was more in the village and next door to the church, but there's a big field right next door to it which has been used for a variety of crops. Instead of watching lambs and calves growing and frolicking about, I was able to live with and observe the rhythm of ploughing, planting, growing and harvesting, even if I only really noticed how much taller the crops were going to be when retrieving footballs kicked over the hedge into the field. Celebrating harvest when there's an assortment of fields filled with tall grain and fields of stubble or bales, somehow seems more appropriate. What we're celebrating in here is what we see going on outside. Indeed, for some of you, this is a season of hard work, hoping that despite the dries of last year, that the yield will be good enough. 
Fortunately, the rain in May seems to have helped the winter barley, which was harvested early again in July, and shall feed local pigs through the coming winter. There are also promising signs that the sugar beet harvest, which is just about to get underway, will produce yields above last year's average of 69 tonnes per acre. We may be celebrating harvest today, but the idea of harvest cannot easily be pinned down to a single day. It's a progressive culmination of work and patience, which unfolds at the right time for each crop. Determining when to harvest is not a matter of looking at the calendar, but of careful examination of a reality in the field, with a healthy dose of hope in the fortuitous weather. While I was staying at a Franciscan friary on placement, I helped with the harvesting of a wildflower meadow, which had a window of only a couple of days between one spell of rain and another. And I think that this sense of harvesting at the right time is a helpful one for us when reflecting on our gospel passage today. It comes shortly after the feeding of the 5,000, and the crowd who had been fed are looking for Jesus. They want to know more about this man and what he was teaching. Upon finding Jesus on the far side of the lake, Jesus tells them that they have not come to find him because of his teachings, but because he fed them with loaves of bread. There is here a disconnect between what they're looking for and what he's offering. More than this, there's a lack of understanding as to the significance of what was happening when he fed them. Essentially, what he's telling them here is, you still haven't got it yet, so pay attention and let's see if you will understand what's happening. He tells them that he has fed them with real food. They know this, for they ate it and were satisfied. However, the Son of Man offers a better food, a food which doesn't keep you alive for another day until your next meal, but a food that endures for eternal life. If you feed on this food, you will endure into eternal life. They don't quite understand what he's on about. It's as if they want to know the magical secrets. What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus responds, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. This is an often overlooked gem of a comment. It can be read in two different ways. The work which God wants you to do is to believe in him whom he has sent. This is our task, our responsibility. By believing, we perform the works of God in our lives and for others to see. The second, the work which God does is that you believe in him whom he has sent. That is, that it is God himself who will change our hearts towards him who will feed and sustain our faith and enable us to believe in Jesus. These two ways of understanding this comment are both true. We are to believe in Jesus and to live out our lives in the life of that faith. And this happens by the presence of God at work in our hearts and by enabling us to live in faith. Still, though, the crowd isn't sure that they've understood what Jesus was saying, well, how are you going to prove it then? They themselves make a comparison with the Israelites being fed in the wilderness. They remembered that the bread which came from heaven for them to eat was a bread which didn't keep, and indeed perished. 
The Israelites at that time had to depend on God day by day to feed them. If Jesus was going to compare himself to Moses by his actions of feeding the 5,000, how then can he claim to offer a better bread? Jesus' response undercuts the issue at hand. It was not Moses, nor Jesus, who fed them, but his Father in heaven who gives them the true bread, which gives life to the world. The crowd mulls on this, and they seem to grasp towards the right response. Sir, give us this bread always, they say. They want to believe. Jesus responds, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The work of God, which is both ours to do, and that which God does in us, is to believe in the one whom he sends. That is, to believe in Jesus, who is the bread of life, which will never perish, but shall sustain us into eternal life. Believing in Jesus is sometimes a light bulb moment. Suddenly one's perspective changes and everything is different. However, believing in Jesus is sometimes a progressive culmination of work and patience. Seeds of faith which have been planted can take time to be nurtured. Sometimes they go through dry seasons, and we might wonder if they'll ever grow into an abundant crop of faith. There's no date in the calendar on which we become ready for faith. We have to reflect and assess the situation in person with a healthy dose of hope. I have said that the joy of a Norfolk harvest is that what we're celebrating in here is what's going on out there. And today, our prayers of preparation before the sacrament capture this harvest theme perfectly. Blessed are you, God and Father of all creation. Through your goodness we have bread and wine to set before you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. They will become for us the bread of life and cup of salvation. And so, as with our harvest we feed the nation and bring our gifts before God, let us also bring ourselves before God and believe in the one whom he has sent, Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, who says to each of us, Come, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Feeding on him we shall, by the presence of God at work within our hearts, endure into eternal life. Amen. Amen.